Welcome, children, to episode three of One More Go. Merry Christmas. That's uh, Santa that, coming in today. What a, what a start, like. That's it, it's begun. Santa and Rudolph Fucking came in. Down. Rudolph just doing a wee jig while Santa <clears throat> introduced our podcast, which is One More Go, a podcast about games we used to love, games we still love, and games we hope that you'll love too. My name's Nicol Hay, and sitting opposite me is Barry Topping. All right, it's Christmas. Uh, Noddy Holder, I'll do it Noddy Holder style. <laughs> it's Christmas! <laughs> That's That's... Noddy Holder now, just sort of like gearing right. up his throat for the 7,000th time. He's just, a bit, just a bit phlegmy. Like we say... This is our special Christmas-themed episode, oh. which probably won't come into play until the very last section when we talk about Christmas. The two games we've chosen this week, month, year, decade, week, month, month, epochal section of time, relevant. Yeah, is um, they're they're not particularly Christmassy in and of themselves, but we'll get to that. Yours but is a wee bit Christmassy. Though. It can be. Like, oh, it, it can, it can be. be. But uh, yeah, so I am later on going to talk about Nights into Dreams for the Sega Saturn. And uh, Barry? I will be talking about two parodious games on the SNES. Two? Is that allowed? They're short games. I wanted to combine <laughs> the two best elements of both. Um, I'll be talking about Gokujo Parodius for Fantastic Parodius and uh, GQO Oshaberry Parodius, which means um, Chatting Parodius Live. <laughs> so, good. That good. combines two of my favourite things, video games and chatting to live things. Exactly, of course. So, guess, you know, uh, there was a time there was to chat to dead things. Yeah, yeah, I could only afford like you know a Neo Geo pocket and I had to chat oh. to dead things. Oh. Ah, terrible. Right, uh, okay, right, so um, I can't, don't think there's anything we, we want to cover in the intro. Have you done anything retro-y, video gamey recently? Nah, I've just been playing the Wii U, oh. to be honest. Oh, you and the Wii like, I, like I've walked in here into Barry's uh, sort of den of iniquity, oh, and he's got his, uh, his Wii U set up. I've held the tablet for approximately five seconds and decided that I desperately, desperately want a Wii U. Yes, you have decided that you would like a Wii U more than an iPad, which, right. as a gamer, I fully endorse. I want to hug you for reaching that decision. <laughs> and for that and only that. So how has it been, the Wii U? It's been grand, man. Um, I don't think the launch titles have had as much oomph as I'd hoped, but I got, I got Nintendo Land, which is great. Um, sort of great bit of fun. And uh, Mario, whereas perhaps not as deep... Is a fully 3D Mario. It's still really good. It's still a, t- a good 2D Mario game. I guess time will tell. But the actual Wii U itself, despite some very small complaints, like the fact that it overscans to the fucking maximum. What does and, that mean? Um, I don't know anyone yet who can successfully display the full picture on their TV. Like oh, it overscans really? beyond the boundaries of the TV. That's crazy. To the point that where you go to the shop, where it says front page down the left hand uh-huh. side, it says on page, which is uh, good. So that's a bit of a niggle, and the menu is generally quite slow, like moving around stuff, but the Miiverse, I think, is amazing. I think it's the best, even though I've only spent a week with it, I think it's the best sort of social aspect on any gaming platform yet, like it's really cool. That's great. Not that there's a huge rivalry in terms of gaming platforms. Xbox Live and that, I guess. Yeah, uh, uh, like firing messages at people over PSN network that you're desperately typing with your control pad. Exactly. But no, it's been good. Um... I we'll see. Think, Time will tell. I do think. I mean, like, there's quite a sort of pleasantly retro themed aspect, even to this new technology. I mean, like a 2D Mario game and a exactly. mini game collection full of like lots of those sort of odd wee concepts that 
would have been, you know, at home on a gaming watch if it had been like, you know, ten thousand times more powerful. Yeah, no, I agree. So there you go. Maybe I have been doing retro video game things, Maybe and I was I unawares. Uh, the one big retro gaming sort of bit of news that just broke last night mm. that has made everybody very excited is the Mega Man X Street oh, Fighter yes. 2, which is oh oh it's a, a, like a brand new bespoke Mega Man game to be available for free download free. to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Mega Man, where all the bosses are Street Fighter 2 characters in uh, Mega Man pixel art style. It looks pretty grand. I I just want to watch Dalzim and Blanca forever. I know. Nah, that's going to be great. The fact that it's free as well, there was a big sort of uproar when they released the, the Mega Man Zover thing for the iPad. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like a side-scrolling iPad effort, and honestly, it, it pretty much plays itself. It looks horrible. So See, that's, that's one reason, especially, to want a Wii U rather than an iPad. It's like you've got buttons. Yes, yes, exactly. You can play actual games. Actual, game. actual not that I'm, games. Not that I'm hating on mobile gaming, of course. I would never no, do that. But. No, no, but it's a different beast. It is a different beast. But yeah, actual games. So let's talk about some actual games that are a bit old. Let's do that. Let's have a sting of some crazy Japanese music. Oh, is your old dad gone first? Quality. Right, here's some grand music, and I'm going to talk to you about Parodius. <laughs> Tell us about Parodius. Thank you, Santa. Um, the Parodius series of shooters is a series of horizontal shmups made by Konami. Um, the first one came out in 88 on the NES and they ran all the way through to 98. Uh, the last efforts were released in Saturn, PlayStation, Arcade. Um, Parodius gets its name from the Gradius series of mm-hmm. shmups, also made by Konami, and it's obviously a, a combination of Gradius and Parody. It's a parody of Gradius. That's the most interesting thing straight out of the gate. There's not many games that are a parody of other ones. Of a pre-existing of, yeah, series. Other thing, except things like Leisure Suit Larry or something like that. Know. Like, you know, like t- if anyone uses the name parody, the word parody, that tends to indicate that it's going to be a terrible experience. But I'm guessing the feeling Parodius, isn't he? All right, here I am. Here, here I'm going to drop some massive opinion bombs. It's going to get me instantly slated. But Parodius manages to exceed Gradius in most levels. It just ends up being better by the end of it. It's a more enjoyable experience. Why is that? Well, this is the thing. So I'm going to talk about Fantastic Parodius and Chatting Parodius Live. Um, they're the second and third Parodius games released for the SNES, mm-hmm. um, and they were also released on the Saturn and the PlayStation and the arcade. Well, yeah, weren't the arcade games first? Yeah, probably. There's a million and one ports of these games as well. You can get them on PSN and everything. I'll, I'll talk about that. Major question for these games, first of all. If they were arcade games first, are the arcade perfect? I'd say so. The only thing that lets the SNES versions down is, in the arcade versions, you could play two player, two players on screen at once. Ah. And in the SNES version, it's one player then takes a shot, then two player takes a shot. Oh, wow. Which is really disappointing. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing, but I guess, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to move that many things around on the screen at once. Exactly. Some big, colourful graphics as well, aren't they? They are. The art style is, you know, great. Um, It has a lot of charms. Um, Being, like I said, made by Konami, and as we've discussed, we're massive Konami fans. Yeah, Konami! Um, In Parodius... 
It's set up very much the same way as Gradius, like I said, side-scrolling. It has the same power-up system as Gradius. Mm-hmm. You collect power-ups and there's a barrel on the bottom and there's you know you can set it to automatically power-up your ship or you can do like a manual power-up and you get stuff like you can... You know, lasers and wide shots, and then like sort of big massive bombs and stuff. So, can you, like, how does that work? Like, do, can do you like switch between? Do you get like a certain power level, and you can switch between whether that's powering up your lasers or your shields or your bombs, or do you choose before you collect the power up what it's what it's going to power up? Because all the power ups are bells, right? Yeah, there are bells. Do various things. Um, they're not they're power ups, but not they don't affect the power up bar. Bells, for example. They can turn you giant, they can give you a lot of points, they can give you some massive sort of screen clearing bomb. And the best one is, um, I think when it's silver and you pick it up, you get a megaphone that mm-hmm. spouts like what I always assumed was Japanese profanity, but I have no idea. <laughs> it spouts like massive Japanese characters that oh, right. just you can destroy enemies with. But the actual main power-ups are just like these wee sort of, they're different for each character. All right. And then you pick them up and then, you know, like the roulette kind of thing along the bottom, like it'll move a space and then you can use, like, power up that or you can collect another one and it'll move another space and you can power up that. That sounds like one of those sort of things, like, just describing it sounds insanely complicated, but does it work, like, intuitively? The thing is, like, it's not, the power-ups are everywhere, so about halfway through a level you are fully powered up, which my my favourite character, Upa, um, is a baby from... A Famicom disc system game from '88 called uh, Bio Miracle Bokteupa. Um and he's this wee baby with a rattle, and he's my favourite Proteus character because he shoots bottles as a laser, <laughs> and basically you can get a point where you know you get five of these grade up power ups, and he just shoots like a massive screen clearing like spread of bottles to the point where it slows the frame rate down about five frames per second. Amazing. It so is amazing. That, that brings up, so there's different characters? Yes. And um, they're not just in different ships? No, the, each character has a different set of power-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a one-player and two-player equivalent of each character as well, and they're all characters from other Konami series. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you get Vic Viper from Gradius, and the two-player equivalent would be Lord British, and then you get Twin B and Winby, obviously from the Twinby series. Um, in Gokujo Proteus, um, you get, there's a lot of really cool ones, like you get Goemon in Ebisumaru, right. and then you get Kid Dracula as well, obviously from the Castlevania spin-off. Right, sure. Um, and there's some Proteus-specific characters, like Pentaro, who's like a wee penguin and that. But are they in, like, spaceships, or are they just sort of, like, floating so, like, around Vic flying? Viper is obviously a spaceship, and then you get, like, a bunny girl on a missile, and Goemon just flies about, and then you get like the penguin that just flies about. So some of them have... There's a character in um, in one of the later ones who's like a wee kind of stick man that flies around in a paper aeroplane. I'm not sure what he's that from, but he's pretty cool. All the characters are like actually pretty refreshingly unique. Like the way their power-ups work and the way their power-ups handle is different, but you know, you're pretty much still blasting everything on the screen anyway. So it's fun. Like every character is fun. Well, like I, I've not played Parodius um, at all. Like... Uh, not being a huge fan of uh, side-scrolling shooters anyway, but mostly because my reflexes are, like, turgid custard. <laughs> so, like, you know, anything that involves that amount of uh, awareness, yeah. I'm an instant failure at. But, like, looking at YouTube videos and things like that, it does seem... I mean, fun seems to be the big sort of headline here. The fact that it's big cartoony graphics and, like, sort of uh, quirky characters rather than, you know, just exactly. sort of, like spaceships and bullets it is ridiculous I mean the boss like some of the levels are homages to other Konami games too and there's a homage to 
uh, Tokimeki Memorial, which I think is like a dating sim for the PS1. And at the end of this, it's like a high, Japanese high school level, and at the end of it, you have to fight like a giant schoolgirl, for example. So, and a lot in every Parodius game as well, one of the bosses is a naked woman, pretty much. So, some naked goddess. That Something you have to, for everyone. There, exactly. Yeah. But no, it's it's grand. Um, the layout is always like I said. You get levels, and then there's a boss at the end of every level. Mm-hmm. Levels are normally split into two. Um, the first part of the level, you're flying around space, just kind of collecting power ups. And then the second part of the level is always more themed to like a Konami series or something ridiculous. It's like you're landing on a planet, right? Yeah, pretty much. Right. Um, there's like there's always a really good nightclub nightclub themed level as well that has usually ridiculous music. I can see exactly where this is uh, coming to get you. Yep. So um, you were saying there was something about the music. Yeah, um, Parodious music, I'd love to just have an episode where we played all the music, but <laughs> um, at the time of making the Parodious games, there were budget constraints for Konami. They couldn't really afford to get any music commissioned. So what they did, basically, is they took a bunch of public domain music and then made wacky, ridiculous remixes of it. Like the William Tell Overture, for example, is... Spectacular, nice one. And um, there's a in one of those nightclub levels. There's a sort of parodious version of a. Uh, That's the way I like it. So maybe get a <laughs> is that public that. domain? <laughs> I don't know. This was one of the later ones. I think by that point you'd maybe uh, maybe had a bit more cash behind them. But we should play a wee bit of that just so you can hear it. Nice one. So here it is. I do like it. Totally. I do like Ta-da. it. Amazing. So, um, like in terms of like level design, I mean, obviously, like the the sort of graphics and skins of it are are quite different. I mean, does it do anything like really innovative with the shoot 'em up genre? Um, it's innovative in the sense that it's so light-hearted and so nonsensical and gameplay-wise. The fact that you have so many power-ups and so many characters, there are a lot of characters. And like I said, there's not a massive amount of variety, but the fact that it's a shoot 'em up that's more about fun than about getting totally bluttered by a million things on screen at once, that really appeals to me. I would say that. I mean, like, like definitely just from looking at gameplay videos, this isn't a bullet hell sort of game in the way like a, a Nicaruga or a Radiant Silver Gun are. Like, this is... I mean, like, the the enemies are the thing, but they don't seem to be shooting at you all that much, actually. They're just sort of, like, flying towards you in attack patterns. You have nine difficulty le- levels to choose from. There's a difficulty slider of one to nine, so, you know, I think the further you get to that, it does get a bit more bullet hell, but you have an option, at least, whether you want to play it for fun or play it for... Excellent. I think it's deep enough to provide shoot 'em up fans with a lot of entertainment. Okay, so when did you first play Parodius? Um, I had actual um, Parodius Da, the nonsense fantasy one. That's the first one that came out on the SNES. I would have got that about 93 <coughs> or 94, I think. I picked it up in a shop and I was like, oh, I'll play a wee shoot-em-up game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's so good. Fighting giant pirate penguins. Amazing. So were they just like released in the UK, like normal SNES games? Because they, they feel like the sort of games that, you know, you like obsessives have to like order from one shop in Taiwan. Um the one the one that came out over here just as Parodius, the first one for the SNES that yeah, got a UK release, European release. Um Fantastic Parodius and Chat and Parodius Live. They came out in Europe eventually. I think they were they were on a reissue for the, the PlayStation One, which was called Parodius in Europe. Okay. And I'm sure both of them are on that. Um, so there's ways to get a hold of it. 
uh, European versions of it, but I wouldn't. Um, I'd play the Japanese ones because obviously with chatting Proteus live, the reason it's called that is you're bombarded by voice acting for the entire experience. Once you've got a CD, you've got to use it. Exactly. You've well, this is on the it. SNES. It's on the SNES. Aye, legitimate oh, SNES voice acting. Fantastic. How is how's the sound quality? Is it all bitty? It sounds all right. You're doing great. Well, there are a few SNES games of voice acting. I don't know if you've heard the voice acting in Star Ocean, but that sounds like that is completely indecipherable. But the Proteus one's actually really good. All right, it's, I can't understand it because it's Japanese, but it's, <laughs> it's clear. I can pick up things from it. <laughs> They're very clearly Japanese people speaking at you. I mean, the chatting chat Proteus Live came out really far towards the end of the SNES's life cycle. Um, so it had really, really good visuals. One thing I love about it is in one of the levels, all the enemies are sort of fully scalable polygons. All right. Because it used the, the SA1 chip, which is the same sort of chip that Super Mario RPG used. All right. So if you can think of the visuals for that, there's like a level, you know, you've been fighting two of the enemies and there's like suddenly you're in this level where you're fighting all these really kind of nice Donkey Kong Country looking enemies. It looks really pretty nice. That's pretty amazing. It's nothing complicated. It's mostly balloons you're fighting. <laughs> Who, balloons need to be fought. They're, exactly, they're, they are staticky bastards. Like. <laughs> the, the things they have done to our hair and jumpers, they deserve uh, everything they get. So, like, like just to get back to how it was, like playing it then. So, did this give you like? I mean, did you explore more sort of shmups because of Parodius, or was it just Parodius that really got a hold of you? I got really into shmups. Um, pretty much if you have a SNES and you like shmups, you need to get all the Konami effort. Stuff like Axley and that as well, mm. amazing. Axley's like really kind of gritty and it's a, a vert shooter, mm. but that, I mean, after Parodius, I was like, right, I'm going to start playing more shoot 'em ups. Um, there's also Pop and Twinbee, which mm-hmm. is the vert shooter based on the Twinbee series. Is that vert? Because I, I distantly remember seeing. Reviews for that, and it looked like it was more like a nice, like a diagonal thing. Was that a different descendant of the series? I think I know what you're talking about. There are parts of Pop and Twinbee where the levels are kind of scrolling diagonally. All right, below you, but he's making a really expressive, sweeping gesture with his hand here. uh, I'm so expressive. I mean, like it's it's telling me exactly what direction everything's going, and you're going to have to use your imaginations, listener. Exactly, but. If you want to get into Parodius, like I said, you can play all the SNES Parodius games and you can play Pop and Twinbee and then you can play the Gradius games. And, you know, there's a nice thread that runs through all of them, even though they're all different series. There is a nice, like, I don't know if it was maybe the same team at Konami that worked on all their shoot-em-ups, but Konami SNES shooters are so good. So, I mean, are you still into shmups? I mean, are you playing things like... Ikaruga, like, like Ikaruga's contemporary, that's probably about 10 years old now. But, I played, uh, played Ikaruga, I played, played a bit of Toho now and again, but nothing, Parodius is my favourite series of shmups. Um, there is, there's a series, uh, Automedius, which came out, which is a combination of Otome and Gradius, which right. is like the sort of the, the newest Konami series. Um, also another parody of Gradius, but it never really made it over here. Um they're Xbox 360 games and arcade games, but the furthest it made it was North America, so I'd love to play those, but it's never going to happen. quite close enough. I know. Terrible. Um, so, uh, I mean, like, do does going back to the SNES Proteus games, do they then stack up against modern shmups? I play Proteus regularly. Like, maybe once, twice a year I'll play a Proteus game. Like, honestly, yeah. that's not even just, you know, talking it up for the podcast. I legitimately do play it all the time. Well, that sounds... Pretty good, and you would recommend that to, to everyone. So, is there an easy way to get your Proteus fix now? Um, you can get a bunch of the stuff's been ported for PSP, 
Um, there are ports for, for for all you PSP owners out there. Totally. If you do have a PSP, big up because I really like one, but I don't because I'm an idiot. Um, and there are there like I said, there are packs for the PlayStation. But I mean, as always, I'm going to be like, just get yourself a SNES emulator <laughs> and just uh, have a wee look about, see what you can find. Yeah, you can pick up. If you're one of these lucky people that has either a Super Famicom or one of, you know, the, yeah. the cartridge region switcher things, you can pick up copies of all three Parodius games pretty cheap on eBay. Um, I've got a Japanese copy of Fantastic Parodius in the flesh, but obviously I can't play it because I don't have a, a Super Famicom. But All right. Our cartridge switcher is much more expensive on eBay then. Yeah, the weird thing is, I'm I've not looked into it enough, but there's a really you know how the the PAL SNES and the Super Famicom are the same console basically. Yeah, I think there there just seems to be confusion. Like I've never been able to work out if I could buy, you know, Super oh. Famicom games on a PAL SNES. They oh, would, right, they would they all, all play Super NTSC? Famicom games on an NTSC SNES. Right. Well, that's inconvenient. So if anyone knows some more about that, get in touch because. I have a few. I've got. I've got a few like Super Famicom games that I would love to actually sit down and play with a SNES pad. But <laughs> you just you just buy because you're daft for buying games in wee cardboard boxes. I'm a collector, man. And you're a fine human being. Oh, so are you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that more or less covers it. Unless there's anything else uh, remarkable about Parodius you need to share with the public. I mean, a lot of people get really intense with shmups. You know, they spend hours playing it and it's all about the difficulty. And Parodius can be as hard or as easy as you want it to be, but it's fun. Nine difficulty levels, that suggests you can pretty much pitch it exactly where you need it. You can make it as hellish as you want, but it's a great experience. I mean, it, you can't play it and not smile. Like, it's funny, the music's kind of endearing and charming, the enemies and level design are ridiculous. It's just great. Like, I mean, even if you're not going to play it, go and watch a YouTube video because it'll kind of make you smile at least. I can very much agree to that. Well, I do want to ask one thing. I mean, I know you weren't talking about these two games, but I am very aware that one of the sequels is called Sexy Parodius. Sexy Parodius is the only one I've not played. Um, so placed it. That's what it really surprises me, considering just how sexy you are. I know. And how much sex is your business. I know. I'm a very, very sexual person, especially when it comes to shmups. That's your primary mode of foreplay. Pretty much. Like, I get the Parodius on and do the two-player and... That's it, mate. That's all it takes. Just power up and uh, race your way to the end level. You've got a beamer, Nicol. You're going <laughs> red, red as a hated tomato. <laughs> I'm going as red as your uh, picture of Phil Collins in that uh, copy of No Jacket Required. I like to have these things on display, you know. Yeah, that's that's one for people to dive for Google Image Search to find out what Phil Collins looks like. I'm a collector, man. He's a collector. And that's what makes you so suited to nostalgia. Exactly. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Okay, well, we're going to have a bit more music now, and then I'm going to tell you all about Nights into Dreams. That's that's all I want from any media. I just wanted to fill this. I just wanted to fill my periphery. <laughs> but your periphery is rectangular. That's the point of widescreen. That's why it works because your vision is rectangular. Nah. It's not square. Nah. It's fine. I just wanted to be full. 
So for those of you who, well, <laughs> no, well, not for those of you, you're not going to come into the podcast halfway through, but... Yeah, if you're wondering what we're talking about there, I just hit record while Nicole was raging about aspect ratio again. Oh, Barry just, he does it to annoy me, and it's not in the spirit of Christmas. Santa is a disbeliever. Give me the fucking bells. Santa's not coming, all right? <laughs> You've been a very naughty boy. Santa's going to bring you a TV that only displays media stretched to fit, like. <laughs> so, Nicole. You're going to be talking to us about the Sega Saturn classic, Nights Into Dreams. I certainly am. Nights Into Dreams was uh, released in 1996. Mm -hmm. It was the first major game by Sonic Team on the Saturn. Uh, Eugene Ah. Aka and his team that that created all those wonderful Satanic games on the Mega Drive and uh, Chaotix on the 32X. (laughs) Uh. Um, The major setup of the game is... um, well, the, the setting of the story, uh, the idea is that you've got these two uh, children, a boy named Elliot and a girl named Clarice, who are having are terrible nightmares. They're related not related or, at all. Yeah. They live in the same town uh, called Twin Seeds, uh, and they're, they're, they're having a hard time getting to sleep because uh, tomorrow Clarice is auditioning for um, a big musical. She's going to have to sing for audition, and she's, she's having a nightmare that nobody likes her singing and all the director and the producer turn into monsters and laugh at her. To be fair, I've heard her singing and it isn't up to much like. <laughs> oh, we will get to that. Right. Um, and uh, Elliot is having a nightmare because he's playing a big basketball game tomorrow. He's oh. scared that the big boys are going to knock him over. You love basketball. Did, were, love did basketball. you put yourself into that role when you were playing nights? Uh, well, if, I, I love sports, but I'm terrible at playing them. So, like, you ah, know, so you just just, watch. I'd just be adjacent you to You just it like to just watch, sort of, don't you? You know, I'd be the person sitting there you going... just like to watch. Elliot, you're too small to play. Get off the court. You're right. scum. Good, so Elliot's scum. We've Elliot's established scum. that. Yeah. So they're having nightmares. But coincidentally, in the realm of dreams, the uh, wise man, the wicked, is gazing... Wise at, man, the wicked. Wise man, That's the, the wicked. antagonist's name. That is true. Wise man, the wicked. Wise man, the wicked, is gaining power because he wants to take over the realm of dreams and ultimately the world by stealing people's dream energy. All right. When people dream, it, like aspects of their personality break off into glowing coloured spheres. Oh, this is a bit aura. It's a bit too aura for <laughs> me. Like. It's totally, it's very new age. Right. But, um, and by stealing that power, he'll, you know, through a series of unexplained steps, he will eventually gain power and take over the world. In order to do this, he's created uh, nightmare creatures called Nightmaren, uh-huh. who are who, big, crazy, colourful creatures that are going into people's dreams and causing them nightmares and causing them the trauma that allows them to steal their energy. Like a kind of light-hearted Freddy Krueger, Exactly, Exactly, like a more colourful Japanese Freddy Krueger. Ah, good. But no, much more disturbing. Okay. Uh, and two of the level one nightmare and he've created are sort of these like acrobatic gesture-like creatures, one called Riala and one called Knights. But Knights is too good. Oh, Knights see, so Knights, Knights is created. Ah, see. Yeah, Knight, Knights was created by Wise Man the Wicked. Does he... Like got sick of him using homeopathy and stuff to yeah, terrify children. It was like I mean, we see we say this. So like, why, like there's all sorts of like sort of weird dreamy Illuminati um, uh, imagery. Like Weisman's got like six hands, all with like an eyeball on the nice. palm of the hand. Nice. Oofed. Oofed. There's, there's more to this game than than either of us want to dig into. Aye. Uh, but yeah, so knights. Um, so knights rebels and Weisman imprisons imprisons him in dreams. But uh, both Clarice and Elliot. Uh, because they're special or something, like when the nightmare and try to steal their dream energy, they hold on to the red sphere of courage. Okay. And that allows them to release knights from his prison, and then he can fly through levels, collecting 
power and releasing, I, stealing the power back from Wiseman. He's going to take the power back. Ah, see, and liberate so the world of dreams. You said flying through levels in um, sort of. It's like a kind of three. I was always under the impression that it was like a kind of three D platformer, but it, it's in fact not that really. Is, yeah, that is an assumption that. Well, people made before the game came out and continue to make because it's Sonic Team, because of the way it looks. But yeah, so, so that's the setup of the game. The game mechanic is completely unremoved from that. The way okay. the way Knights gathers this energy is you have... Um, essentially, it's like 2D action in a 3D plane. So you're sort of racing to the side, floating through the air, flying through the air in a sort of pilot wingsy, vaguely style. Mm-hmm. But um, he's got to collect these sort of glowing energy chips and fly through rings and perform chips. acrobatics. Chips, that's what they're chips, called. Chips, nice. Except they're, they're like sort of blue spheres. I don't know why they're Not actual chips. chips then, no. Not chips. No, you got hopes up. Not the chips that you want. You want, you want, to, you want to be playing like a McDonald's Global Guardian so you can go around collecting French fries. I have you? in fact played that McKids as well. Uh, yep. Yeah, there was a couple of McDonald's games. We'll do a McDonald's special in future. That'll be grand. Yeah, that'll be something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, so um, so Knights flies through these levels. Um, you've got to collect enough energy to sort of uh, activate the end of the level, uh-huh. but that activates a bonus time, and you get four stages to each level. There's three stages for each child, and then a final stage. Um, and the idea, yeah, is just to like collect enough energy to complete the level, go on to the boss, complete it. That's the that's like the, the, the basic, core mechanic. Yeah. That's how you complete a level. Mm-hmm. But um, this is a game all about. Uh, Flying through levels, uh, collecting items, and flying through rings to create chains of scoring, which add up to multipliers. And this is like this is a game that's all about the high score. Oh, really? This is one of those sort of um, Japanese games. That at the end of each level, you get a grade, for, okay. like A to F. Eight it. Oh, did you get an S? No S. There's no S rank. Ah, that's a shame. Well, the, or the, maybe there isn't. You're just yeah. Trying. There might be an S rank that I'm just too terrible to reach. Right. But uh, no, it's it's A to F. Um, is that enough of a motivation to keep playing levels? It definitely right? is. Really? Definitely is. Because, like, well, like, first of all, uh, like I say, like the, the two kids have got three levels each. Uh-huh. And you've got to get a C in all those levels to oh, activate like, okay. the, the last level for, for each of the kids. And you've really got to complete it sort of twice for both kids to get like the sort of final ending. Do you get, are there unlockables for getting the highest rank on certain levels, anything like that? or Not in the original game, no. Uh, but there was... Christmas nights, which we'll come to later. Oh, really? Okay. For our Christmas theme, which right. had plenty oh. more unlockables. Yeah. Christmas. Every time you say Christmas nights, I'm gonna. Christmas. That's what. That's all Yuji Naka ever wanted. That's the only reason they ever did it. For Scotsman to ring sleigh bells when the game was mentioned. That's everything he dreamed of. Mm. That's what it was all leading to. Well, um, it wasn't he leading to Sonic Heroes anyway? That's for sure. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so but like like you say, I mean, like that sort of acrobatics and string things together. I mean, it makes the game really unique. Um, like it's it's part racing game because you're sort of going through a course against the clock, and you've uh-huh. got to memorize, you know, sort of where the items are to plot your best route to get the highest score. It's part acrobatics game, like Pilot Wings. It's okay. part stunt game. The closest thing I can think to that it's like is Unirally on the SNES, right. and I really can't think of any other game that's really like it. What sort of moveset do you have then? What are the controls like? Do you, can you do a lot of sort of different acrobatic style moves, or is it more sort of? Yeah, well, like the, the, the really useful moves for just sort of moving about. I mean, it's just sort of like like three D control in that two D plane. So like uh, anywhere within that sort of circle, you know, north right through to north from where the character is situated, you can uh-huh. fly in that direction. Okay. Um, and you get like one button which does like a sort of spinning drill attack, which makes you move quicker. Okay. 
Um, it uses the 3D control pad that's as well, right? right? That's right, yes. Ah. Um, so, like, Knights can... Uh, if he does a loop back on himself, that creates a sort of uh, energy-sucking portal thing which collects everything that's inside it. It's Suck, sucked, no, sucked off through time, like. Sucked off through time. And space. And space. In sucked occasion. off through space. Yeah. That's our episode title. But he also has... Um, so yeah, so like those controls are really basic, just for the basic moves. But it also uses the shoulder buttons. Like if you press in any of the sort of like ordinal directions with either one of the shoulder buttons, he'll do a sort of like triple pike or a backflip or okay. a spinny move. Um, and occasionally you get these rings that um, that if you fly through, activate a sort of like brief bonus time where there's like a sort of yellow gymnastics ribbon coming out of the back of nights. And the oh, idea is to do nice. as many sort of uh, acrobatic moves in that time to to gain, you know, sort of multipliers and links. Ah, I can way. see why that would be like Uni Rally then. Yeah, yeah, That totally. makes sense. So it's all about the points, this game then. Totally all about the points, and that's the major sort of replay value in it, like uh, beating your grades, getting getting an A on all stages, which I sadly have not been able to do because mm. I'm rubbish. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, the interesting thing about this is, like, we've sort of alluded to this a couple of times, stepping, stepping forward to this. That gameplay style is not what people were expecting from this game. Mm. The major thing about this, this was like the first really 3D game on the Saturn. They'd had a couple of attempts with like Bug 3D, which mm-hmm. is like the first 3D platformer on the... I do no idea what that is. No? Oh, no. it was just like... It was basically like a 2D side-scrolling platformer, but there were sections where you went into the screen. Oh, okay. Uh, like the levels were like sort of like like built on 3D lines. I mean, I guess it's kind of like... It's kind of like New Mario Brothers, except with like a sort of uh, Y-axis going into the screen, okay. and, it, and it's atrocious. It's mm. terrible. But um, like this was like sort of full three D movement. And now the development cycle of Knights kind of coincided with like the anticipation for the lead up to the N sixty four. I remember that. I do remember that. I think the, the I was still playing the SNES at the time, eh? Mm-hmm. And obviously at that point, the only way you ever saw anything was through games magazines, and you were getting six month old news from Japan. And I think when I saw Knights, I was like, whoa. That was the first time I'd realised sort of the next generation. I mean, you'd think when I saw Mario, I'd be like, oh. But I distinctly remember Knights being the game that had sort of made me think twice about the SNES. And it made me think, like, that looks pretty, pretty good. Like, I mean, it's interesting that it's Knights and not anything that was on the PlayStation, which was much more... Uh, PlayStation didn't really excite me to, to at that point, to be honest. I suppose, I suppose if you were, like, really young, then, like, sort of the club visuals of Wipeout aren't going to be really speaking to you. Well, this is it. I was more into the cutesy. No, absolutely. Still am. Well, so this is the interesting thing. Like, everybody saw, like, big 3D game from Sonic Team. Everyone assumed this is going to be a 3D platformer. And the actual reaction when it came out from everyone, including myself, when you actually had this like really odd racing acrobat hybrid, was that well, this isn't what we were expecting. Mm. And um, the general feeling was sort of, ah, well, what do you do with that? All right, so at, at first you weren't really sold then. Because I mean, this was supposed to be the Saturn's big triple mm-hmm. a title was it not i mean well yeah well certainly well it came like nearly two years into the console's lifespan like the the, the real sort of launch title like the the unit shifter as was meant to be was uh sega rally mm-hmm. which is you know like a sort of arcade perfect uh racing game the interesting thing about the saturn is that from first principles when sega were designing it they did not see 3d gaming coming they didn't see that that revolution that that sort of console generation really inspired coming. So the Saturn was initially designed as like the ultimate 2D machine. Mm -hmm. Now legend has it, this is just sort of a rumour, but this is 
you know, this is sort of like common industry talk that, you know, they were sort of getting near to the end of the production cycle of the Saturn. And then, uh, like, Sega's bosses saw Sony's tech demos for the PlayStation that were all 3D, that were all had things like, like, one of the big things about the... That T-Rex off the demo disc, for example. Exactly, exactly. And, like, Sega's boss at the time just, like, ran into, like, the development labs for the Saturn, like, absolutely raging, sort of like, why aren't we doing anything like this? Why, why can't we do 3D? Sony's going to kill us. But they were already so far in the development cycle that they'd like put in their bulk order for the processors and things like that for the mm-hmm. machine. So the only way they could think to up the power of the machine in any way is just to put two CPUs into it. Jings. But um, the architecture of it means that the two CPUs could only call a memory like one at a time. Oh, okay. okay. So like in order to program it, you have to come up with like lots of asynchronous ways to make like one processor do one thing while the other does the other, and it's it's mad. Like some really good programmers apparently got the best out of it by doing some crazy things. Like apparently in Virtua Fighter, one processor controls one fighter and the other one controls no the way. other. No way! Yeah, no way! That is science in action. Like absolutely, Jinx. absolutely. But yeah, like so the Saturn just ended up this real sort of hodgepodge of a machine that uh-huh. isn't designed to do 3D at all. Like it doesn't have any. Um, Hardware on board that handles like uh, light sourcing or transparency effects, which were like the the big the things big thing, that made yeah. um, like the PlayStation's 3D engine so good. I don't think Knights looks particularly lacking compared to a lot of PlayStation games. It looks better than some PlayStation games. Well, yeah, I mean a lot of that's down to design. I mean, like like sort of beautifully colourful, and the fact you know Sonic Team know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. If you see some of the other attempts at making 3D games on the Saturn, you'd revise your opinion pretty quickly. I mean, oh, if you look, if you put like Tomb Raider on the Saturn and the PlayStation side by side, you can really see which machines sort of struggling to keep up. That's a shame. So yeah, so like, um, so when Saturn originally came out, they were expecting it to be this big sort of two D thing, and that's why like, um, at least in Japan, Saturn was sort of still really good at doing like uh, JRPGs and. Shoot 'em ups. Because it's completely designed for that sort of two D thing. Which is ridiculous if I'd known that at the time. Yeah. Like Saturn has is great for shoot 'em ups and GRPGs, but <laughs> I didn't and unfortunately now I know that. So yeah, this is why I'm probably gonna buy a Saturn. Yeah, so now you you've go. got this whole vista open to you. Except those giant memory cards. Oh yeah, yeah. The memory card is like basically a cartridge. It's the size as, of an N sixty four cartridge, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like it. Right, um but uh like 32 meg on it or something like that so it's the only one you'll ever need the thing that that really surprised me about Knights is how abstract the concept is and how like as you said how sort of weird the the gameplay is for something that was like a big mainstream kind of Sonic team I mean this was like surely Sega with this they were like right here you go here's our new kind of Sonic rivaling IP I think Knights would have been a great arcade title like from having played it very briefly Mm -hmm. the thing that struck me the most is how arcade-ish it feels I mean, that's that's a really good point, because the way the levels are structured, sort of like four checkpoints to each level, I mean, it only takes about sort of five minutes, ten minutes at the most to play through each level. You've uh-huh. got four stages and a boss, and like um, Elliot stages in particular are generally shorter courses, so you like there's more emphasis on like flying through them rapidly and trying to get as like high a link bonus as you can, mm-hmm. like uh, and uh, Clarice's are more about sort of exploration. Um, which is a weird thing, actually, because they they did put in these elements that were kind of designed to be in there, to be explored. Like, um, if you run out of time on any one stage, uh, I don't think I really explained this really well. But like the, the idea, like the start of a level, you see so like you, Elliot or Clarice like then. walking around uh, the landscape, 
Okay. Like enemies come along, steal their. That's on a three D plane. The energy. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two D. So like you're on the ground of this level. Okay. Enemies come along, sort of steal your energy and put them in like you know the the, the checkpoint prisons. Like mm-hmm. you know you got four globes of energy to collect four prisons, and the, the enemies put them in there. But you find knights, and knights kind of like takes over the body of the kid, and then they can fly around collecting okay. all the energy. But you are timed on each level, and if you run out of time before you get to the exit, like night sort of disappears, ah. and the kid falls to the ground, and you've got to walk to the exit. Oh. So that like any sort of 3D platforming is only there, like you're really limited, you're slow compared to nights, and yeah. there's no fun, and it's just when you've messed up. And this big weird egg-shaped egg timer thing comes after you to try and wake you up. That sounds horrifying. It is. It is. It's, uh, yeah, it's like a really... Uh, sort of manga nightmare version of Dr. Robotnik chasing you it's weird the fact that you say there's like kind of timed checkpoint sections that's very arcade racing yeah. game what what would you say is this game's primary genre then would you say it is a racing game if you're trying to like really pin it down to a genre then yeah probably racing game just because most of its tropes overlap with that genre mm-hmm. like you know timing route memorising like learning your roots to like sort of refine your technique as much as possible to get like rather than the best time the best score. Yeah, it seems pretty unique at least. But yeah, but yeah, that's the thing, and this is what makes it interesting to go back to as a retro game because, like I said, I like most other people expected this to be a very different game when it actually came out in 1996, uh-huh. and I didn't really get it, and the game kind of flopped as well because you know people were expecting a Sonic game and yeah. they got this crazy, crazy other thing. Racing, yeah. Uh, you obviously appreciate it now, but though. yeah, yeah, I've come back to it sort of several times, like later once you know it sort of got those preconceptions out of my head, and there, like I, I can't think, like like I said, like you know, you're really struggling to get a game that's even vaguely like it anymore. Uh, that's been attempted since, Did and they... it's this unique, really fun concept that. Um, you know, and it's quite magical, and it does look nice, and like the the, the whole thing, and the refinement aspect, and the replayability because you uh-huh. want to beat your, scores. beat your scores. You know, it's a it's a great game now. I like it more now than I did then. Oh really? Yeah. Did they did they expand on the IP any more after Nights? I mean, are there are there any sequels or that? There is else? a sequel came out for the Wii and the PlayStation Three around about 2009 or something oh, really? like that. I've never played it. Yeah, like, like it was kind of a sort of like retro revival sort of thing. Interesting. Uh, I believe it's like sort of fairly well received and like it does like a few extra things to sort of expand on the concept, but I've not played it myself. I don't I don't know. Gives it's it a gritty storyline. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Night's Extreme. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, but the, the nice thing about that sort of revival means that they did an HD remake, which is now completely available on PSN and Xbox Live. Ah, very good. So like, I haven't played it myself because this is December. Ho, 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 ho. So I'm skint. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, so I can't afford Because you to... bought me such a nice Christmas present, which is why you're skint. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I can't afford to spend <laughs> £6.50 on a, a PSN title that I've already played to death on my Saturn. Well, we can start a Kickstarter if you'd like for you to be able to get a... I think this would be very valuable for people's entertainment. Copy of nice off PSN. But yeah, like if you watch like YouTube videos or anything like that, it looks amazing. It's properly widescreen, so you don't have to stretch anything. And it's... Yes! Um, and it looks great. But yes, uh, in terms of the the original way that they, they enhanced the IP, which I think is probably what you're getting at when you ask the question. Of course, first of, of course. All, it also includes Christmas Nights, which. Christmas Nights! Christmas Nights! Christmas Nights! Oh, oh, we oh. wish you a merry Saturn yeah. and a happy new Dreamcast. Absolutely. So Christmas Nights was. Um, 
like it was like a free CD that was given away on like the sort of covers of free? Saturn magazines. Yeah, yeah, it was given away free. You could pick it up at like sort of uh, video game stores and things like that. It was nice. given away as a cover mount disc. It was just a sort of thank you to fans. Uh-huh. It was like one level uh, from the game. But um, you know, sort of now covered in snow and made all Christmassy, and oh, knights nice. is flying around wearing a Santa hat and things like that, and all the like the the rings that you fly through are like presents and like Aww. Christmas tree baubles and things like that, um, which was you know a really sort of fun wee thing. But the main thing it did was that it took advantage of the fact that the Saturn has an internal clock, so it's got um, seasonally timed. Uh, uh, things so like like the the level normally is just sort of like covered in snow. Uh-huh. If you play it during December. It's actually snowing while it happens. Uh, like sleigh bells start to appear on the soundtrack and things uh-huh. like that. Um, That's there's awesome. A, there's an April Fools themed thing Easter egg. That I can't remember now. Probably should have uh, researched this better. I don't know but why. Um, you you get more incentives for like you know sort of high scores and things like that because you can unlo- unlock like different skins and different bits of artwork. And one of them famously is Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, Sonic himself. So yeah, so instead of like you know freeing knights from the prison, you're suddenly Sonic. But the only person surely that could rival knights at going fast. Yeah, absolutely. But he doesn't fly. He runs oh. around like the bottom of the levels and oh, things that like that. A bit... Does he go incredibly fast? All the same though. Yeah, pretty fast. I mean, like at least Sonic R level of fast. Good. He needs to step it up. I feel though. Yeah. If he's yeah. just running about like a wee. Platformer. I mean, it looks like a completely different game set in an environment that's really no designed yeah, to be that game. Uh, having played it, the actual three D platforming bit is like it's short lived for a reason. Yeah. You know, you want to turn into knights it's because it's, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Imagine that with Sonic is probably pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's all good fun. More replayability there if you got the Christmas nights. Yeah, well. absolutely. I do have Christmas night CD somewhere in my uh, like it's it's hiding in an attic in my mum's house somewhere. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to dig that out sometime soon, so I can try playing the Sanic into dreams myself and just find out how horrible. Grand, it is. I look forward to that. So, would you say to the listeners then that you know Nights is worthwhile picking up on? Would you pick up the original or pick up the the uh, HD? Just get the HD because it looks beautiful and it contains the original as a playable level anyway £6.50 on PlayStation ah, Network nothing. presumably it's something similar on on Xbox uh, uh, what are those letters? Xbox Live XBLA XBLA Xbox Live Arcade Zbilla ah it's Zbilla it's Zbilla um, Bismilla yeah. <laughs> yeah let me go um, no 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 <laughs> no 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 um, yeah, for £6.50 it's great. Like I say, it still stands up because it is such a unique gameplay experience. It's worth completing just for the worst song <laughs> in video game history. <laughs> when you complete it over the end credits, there's just this horrible MIDI instruments song that's like a sort of like a funk remix of the main theme. But that sounds amazing. The original the like the first sort of few verses are sung by a little boy and a little girl who are flat as a pancake all the way through it. Are they the characters, perhaps? I think they're meant to represent See, this the is, characters. this is what we were saying. I've heard that lassie singing, and she was right to be having those nightmares. <laughs> I, think, I think we should let you hear this. Um, I think that should be our sign-off from this part. Yeah, so uh, we can well, listen no, I listen to this tune. I think this should be like the last song that we play on the podcast so people don't turn it off and discuss. That'll be the Christmas present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of Death Leopard this month, we're going to give you Nights into Dreams. But yeah, like like listening to them... I was convinced it was like Japanese kids who were like singing like in English phonetically, but it's not. Like they've got Western worrying. names, and oh, oh, so terrible.
Well, I look forward to hearing that. I'm sure everyone else does as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there you have it, Nights into Dreams. Uh, sounds like a very compelling experience, even it now. Very much is. Definitely go out and, and play that. There is no downside apart from the end tune, but even that's exciting in a different way. Endearing in a kind of tragic way. That's like the itchy jumper that you get from your aunties for Christmas. No. Like, you know, you don't particularly enjoy it, but uh, it's filled with all the spirit of the season. So there you go. Um, we're going to take a wee break now, and then we'll be back to talk about Christmas, because some of you have been in touch and are sharing your Christmas video memories with us. Christmas! So. Christmas! 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 I deserve a treat. Sit on my lap, I'll give you a present. <laughs> so, as discussed, it's Christmas. We are recording this podcast on the 25th of December, and we're going to send it back in time for you guys to listen to. We so, wouldn't lie to you. We, we need to feel appropriately Christmassy. And I also, feel, we're working on Christmas Day. That's how much we care. Exactly. We have, we've not even opened our presents from each other yet. No. Although, uh, the, one you, the one you got me does look a bit phallic, so... <laughs> Well, I've uh, see. I'm opening yours, and it's a mint condition. It's seven mint condition copies of Panzer Dragoon Saga. <laughs> one that I can play, and six that I can sell to fund my coke habit. I'm so nice to you, man. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. I know. What a guy. So we said on the tweeting and on the tumbling that we'd open it out to you guys if you had any Christmas memories you wanted to share with us, because I think anyone that's a gamer probably has. Christmas video game memories. Yeah, definitely. It's like a go-to present uh, for confusing parents and uh, delighting children alike. Totally. So um, we've got some that we're going to talk about, but we're going to you know, see what you guys said to us first. Um, first one here is for Richie Morgan, Laszlo Panaflex, of course, of GameWank fame. And, you know, handsomeness. So handsome. No with that beard, though. No, no, it's... it's to- there's not enough face without the beard. If you're going to get me anything for Christmas, Richie, get me the beard. Bring back the beard, please. Um, he says, Christmas 96, Sonic 3D, cost my mum £40, broke my heart. So true. It is so true. Um, like, oh, The experience of playing Sonic 3D at any time, even if you're ready for it, is just traumatic. But when that's your Christmas, Christmas video... I know. Because, like, most... I mean, like... None of us are going to know anyone who got like two games for Christmas. No, no, no. No chance. We're no all chance. we're all like one game for Christmas, guys. No. And like, especially if you were young enough, like that one game you got for Christmas probably be your game for like three months. Aye, that'd be your first quarter. Like <laughs> that. It's a shame. I only ever played Sonic 3D on the PC. Luckily, so I never had it. I never. It was never my Christmas game. But imagine if it was, I probably would have been like, "Great, get the fucking queen on." Like so. Yeah, I wanted. Sonic I'm sure Richie's 3D. like that anyway, though. Let's be honest. Like. <laughs> I wanted Sonic 3D when, like, I saw previews, but like, for some reason, I didn't get it right when it came out. And then by the time I could afford it, like, it become pretty well known that dodge the bullet, mate. You didn't want dodge it. the bullet very much. So, so thanks right. for that, Richie. Very much. Right. Okay. So at Latster, 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 big Latster. That's the man. Uh, he said he got an N64 with Mario Kart and Pilot Wings one Christmas, but he was annoyed that he couldn't play it until after Christmas dinner at the grandparents. Oh, that is horrible. Yeah, just sort of putting it off. But at least, you know, he, he he knew it was there and he could think about it. So I was just imagining, you know, was he just sitting telling his grandparents about 
about it, like, and they're just like, oh, that sounds yeah. nice, so it's the man in a cart, is it? <laughs> it's got camera buttons on the controller. So, uh, I was like, uh, there's like three choices for what I hold. I can hold three different things. That's Laster's dream come true, to be honest. Like, Though he was saying, uh, apparently, no, all he did was he just moaned, uh, when are we going home all afternoon and evening? Like a oh, knob, he like says. Like a wee knobbish child. I bet you were a knob when you were away and like... I was just enthusiastic about everything. Oh, you're, you still are. Yeah, not a cynical bone in your body, man. Not at all. Uh, like, it, like it's not a strictly Christmas thing, but I do remember taking my my Mega Drive up to like my granny and granddad lived on a croft in uh, the Western Isles. You took a Mega Drive to the Western Isles. I certainly did. You think you're a man for the future? <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. I just like remember like sitting playing it on like the the tiny wee TV in the living the room. Steam powered TV. <laughs> like my granddad just sort of you know, so, whew. What's the Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, well, well. Streets of Rage. What's, oh, what do you do in Streets of Rage? What's that? Well, you just, just hit people, Grandad. Well, well, well. Uh, I bet there are no Streets of Rage in the Western Isles. Like. There, there's no streets? Aye, there's just rage. Yeah, it's just rage. Unfocused rage, sheep of rage, that's what you get. That's amazing. Um, well, cheers, cheers, Laster. Give us a laugh. Um, got one here from uh, Ninja Kate who says Xmas 91 my cousin got Asterix for the Master System he read me the booklet cover to cover would he fuck let me play it that's harsh now I hate Asterix and 10 years later I fell off a ride at Park Asterix and ended up in hospital the two events are probably linked what I would say I've not played an Asterix game but from what I know from any extended media from Asterix it would be terrible there's no chance it was going to be good. So just having the manual read to you, especially an old school manual that actually told you things, no. that's going to be a better experience than playing the game, surely. Don't blame Asterix for your brother and the Master System being terrible things. The Master System basically put you in hospital, Ninja Kate, and, you know, on behalf of Sega, I'd like to apologise for that, and on behalf of who made Asterix? Uh, France. France. On behalf of France, I'd also like to apologise. Uh, Goscony and Adurzo were the creators of. Oh, how do you know these things? Because I'm a nerd. You are like. But being French, they wouldn't say. Uh, you know, like if you said to them, "Look, I demand an apology, France," they would turn <laughs> around and go, yeah. mm. So there you have it. Yeah. Cheers for that, Ninja Kate. So um. Simon Cole, the Sonic Mole, ah. which I hope is how he's referred to at all times, like like in his daily life. It's sort of like, um, yeah, I think that spreadsheet was being handed by uh, Simon Cole, the Sonic Mole. Oh, I hope so. I well, hope that's so. how he answers his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Go and DM us your phone number so we can phone you, Simon, just so we can hear how you answer your phone, please. Oh, I can only imagine how great that would be. I know. Um, so he's saying, in Christmas 1990, got Lotus Turbo Challenge on the Spectrum. Oh, yeah. Dad lectured me on the cynical design of computer games after I ran out of gas on the final lap. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So I had to, you know, like, you know, it's like a home video game. What do you think he was trying to con you out of, like, time or mental well-being? But like, Simon just reckons his dad was just observing that how arcade games were designed to sap your money, and this was just the crossover into the uh, into that the was the final arena. straw. That was the final kick in the balls. But we had a wee conversation just about video games with his dad, and it lent on. It seemed like his dad was generally supportive of video games. They used to play Football Manager together, mm-hmm. the very first one on the Spectrum. Um, 
and he still has a tape with like his and his dad's save game on. All the player names are lads from my primary school class. No, nice. that is an artifact. That is. There's always a there's always a great bit of like Christmas gaming you get with your parents. Eh? There's a few. I remember when I was young, like my my dad, my mom and my dad, they, they play games now. Like I came home a few months ago and like came home on a Saturday night and they were sitting in the living room playing Lego Harry Potter two player on the Xbox. That's amazing. I know it's it's really cool. But like now, I mean, this is just between us. But like my dad especially is terrible at video games like well I feel his pain because I am terrible at video games despite playing them my entire life apart from Saturn Bomberman (laughs) kicked my arse at that last night well you know I've got to have one skill that's now become a Christmas memory for me is playing Saturn (laughs) Bomberman with you are you my daddy (laughs) Nickel? cheers Sonic Mole thank you very much Simon Cole got one here for Big Don John who says you're the Mega Drive came out what year would that have been uh, it was 1992 in Britain and 1989 in Japan. There we 1988 go. in Japan, I think, actually. There we go. Took um, ages. Year the Mega Drive came out, my parents delayed giving it to me until about 8 at night. Had to pretend to be chuffed to have got an acoustic guitar all day until they pulled out the big box. That's really, that's very, you know, that that's if you do this to your kids, they're going to grow up to be total sociopaths. That, that, Not saying, Big Don John, that you're a sociopath, of course, but... That sounds like the sort of thing that they'd film now and put on Channel 5. Aye, aye. Sort of like denying kids their video games. By the way, before we get letters, I do remember that Mega Drive came out in the UK in 1990. Oh, 1992 is when Sonic 2 came out. Just had to jump in there and fix that. Well, we would get letters, come on. Aye, we would, we would. But aye, that's... I mean, having an acoustic... I don't know how old you were, but I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get a guitar until I was like 13. So mm-hmm. if I'd been a kid and I'd got a guitar, I'd have been raging. I'd have been like, can I, can I play this? This isn't a game. Like, like at Christmas, you want something you're going to be immediately good at, not a, a musical instrument where yeah, you've got you don't long want to, months of To practice, hard. exactly. Although, like, speaking of, there are a lot of games you would need to practice. Like, if I got Knights for Christmas, I think I probably would have felt the same. Like, I remember getting a darts game on my Spectrum. Oh, yeah. Called uh, 180. This wasn't for Christmas, it's just something I bought because I thought, oh, darts, that looks like fun. I was so bad at it for like the first sort of like 10, 20 tries. Like I couldn't get past the first level, couldn't like hit the board. Like I actually cried because I was so <laughs> frustrated and upset. You cried at a darts game? <laughs> I know. Nickel, that's. Nickel, man. <laughs> Like and if that had been my Christmas present, so I went, oh my darts game, and just went, oh, I can't do it. Greeting at the darts. Yeah. But then eventually I figured out, like you know, Drum you had like you. you had your floating disembodied hand. If you just uh, placed the crook of your thumb above the bullseye, you got treble twenty every time. In the oh, end, it was so easy. You found the bug. Yeah, yeah, found the bug, and it was easy. Yeah, it's but, easy because you were cheating. So, <laughs> so like I would have been delighted with it by New Year, but Christmas would have been ruined. Fortunately, oh, yeah. I bought it myself and just ruined like you know September. There you go. So cheers, Big Don John. Guitar versus Mega Drive. Mega Drive has always won. At least you got it in the end, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, after some cruel torture. I'm I'm out. I'm tapped out. I'm not as popular as you, so just you read the next one. Cool, we've got a couple more. Um, this one, Manly J Panda, he says, I mind I was so excited with my Amiga 520. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise Captain Planet was shite. Uh, well, I would ask. Well, we don't have enough context in here. Is this the, like the first video game you've ever played? Because you know, I'm sure the first video game I ever played would have been terrible. I mean, like people people lost themselves over Pong. <laughs> um, Manly J Panda also says, "I've got one from last year, but it's too sad for broadcast." Skyrim. Oh. Skyrim. Oh right. Oh, so it's not too like emotionally heartrending. It's just too. No, I think tr- maybe it is emotional because Skyrim's an emotional game. He definitely fell in love with a dragon, and it spurned him. 
Oh, that's a bit furry or scaly. It's a bit scaly. scaly. There's one more then. This is a. This kind of feeds into mine. Um, one from Dean James Smith and one from GW0001, who I'll be calling Graham for the purpose of this exercise. So uh, Dean and Graham um, got tweets for them about Christmas 1992, where they both got a SNES, which is also when I got my SNES. Um, Graham says, getting a SNES and playing Super Mario World for the first time, Christmas 1992, just an amazing memory. Completely, completely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean says, just remembered getting the Street Fighter 2 SNES pack for Xmas, oh, 93 for him. Uh, had to save up extra 30 quid to give my mum instead of getting the Super Mario World pack. Played Street Fighter 2 for hours on end, couldn't do that with a fighting game now. The magic of getting a SNES for Christmas, I remember, was particularly grand. Um, I got the, the the pack that came with the Super Scope, though, oh. so that was a bit like... You've drawn the short straw out of all those packs. I really, I really have. I mean, I still have Super Scope Six, and I don't even have, like. I have the game and I have the adapter, but I don't know where the actual peripheral scope has gone. See, that's the only good bit. I was going to say, like, like the actual Super Scope is a cool it's toy, cool, but those games were terrible. Oh, that was really so bad. bad. But luckily, because again, I seem to have rich parents, or at least rich in '90s standards. Um, I got Super Mario World at launch as well, so that's my Christmas memory. The exact same as Graham's. You know, mm-hmm. playing Super Mario World all Christmas Day and just being completely in love. That was the first video game that I fell entirely in love with. Did you have any idea that you were going to get a Super Nintendo that Christmas? I wanted a Nintendo Entertainment. I wanted an NES. Oh, wow. And, and uh, this, this guy in my class at school had me convinced that the NES was better than the SNES. <laughs> I was in primary three at the time, I should say. Oh my so oh, I remember God. I remember getting my SNES on Christmas Day and being vaguely sad that it wasn't an NES. And my parents being like, oh, you know, is that okay? And me being like, well, I guess so... <laughs> But, you know, from immediately playing it, I was like, that guy in my class is an idiot. And then I went into school, like, when we went back to school after Christmas, and I was like, I got a SNES, it's well better than the NES. And he hit me. But in a lot of ways... He physically attacked me. In a lot of ways, knowing, like, absolutely knowing deep down in your soul that that guy was an idiot is in a lot of ways the greatest Christmas gift your parents could have given you. He was a toffee bastard as well, like, so... I'm more than happy knowing that he was incredibly wrong. Well, he was at home playing... Super Mario Brothers 3, I was playing Super Mario World. Duck Hunt, probably. And here's a controversial statement. Super Mario World's better than Super Mario Brothers 3. In what way is that a controversial statement? Because everyone loves Super Mario Brothers 3. Well, it's like, because it's amazing, but it's not as good as Mario World. Oh, and I'm glad we're agreed, Nicole, and that's, that's why you're getting your Christmas present yeah, as soon as we're finished recording this. Oh, seven copies of Panzer Dragon Saga. Oh, uh, you can't where they're gone. <laughs> so that's my memory, is Super Mario World and being wrong about the SNES and realising that it was, in fact, the greatest thing ever. And I still have it. There it is right there. Yay. My glorious Christmas SNES. So, so, what about you? What's your well, Christmas my, memory? Only sort of major Christmas thing was, but it was actually the first time we had a computer as a family. I'm guessing it must have been '89. Um, it was the Spectrum Plus Two light gun pack again oh, yeah. as well. Like Shoot that down. was that was like the big sort of push that the Spectrum got to like be bought for kids. Um, and yeah, like I had no idea we were going to get it. So like it, this was like. This was like a completely wacky thing that just happened. So my mum just sort of went, right, as a family, we've got a computer now. I'm like, ah, it's no And colours, like not many <laughs> colours, but colours moving. And um, yeah. Was that your first gaming experience then? I don't think it wouldn't be my first gaming experience. I'd have played like an Atari and stuff like that. And, oh, like yeah. just around. And you know, like in, in school, you had BBC Micro, BBC's so I could play like Granny's Garden and stuff like that. Totally. 
But uh, you know, like this first like light gun. This is uh, this was something new. Um, like that pack had a uh, like well, we bought it with uh, Operation Thunderbolt, which was uh, the sequel to Operation Wolf, which is a bit more uh, famous. But it's just like right, a famous I, I, on rails light gun game, sort of like side scrolling um, shoot the soldiers, mm-hmm. which. I wasn't that into partly because it was just boring old like men with guns. They were like you know normal in that, like there was no aliens or anything in it, and uh, it was really hard, so I was rubbish at it. Mm. And it, oh god, it was a multi-load game. I don't know. Do you, you played much sort of Spectrum games? No, my dad had a Spectrum, but I, I think to get this around before I came along, a lot of the bigger games to get around memory constraints, you had to load each level, like level by level. So you'd load the main game, you know, you'd play your tape, you'd wait five minutes while it loaded the main game, and then you'd load level one. And if you died, got to load the level again. Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus. Who decided that was a good idea? Uh, people who were fighting up against something that wouldn't power your watch now, nowadays. No, I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, but we also got like a sort of six-game compendium which had like sort of different shooting games on them. Can't remember too much about most of the games except the last one inside two. So you got fast forward through all the other games in order uh-huh. to load it. It's a bullseye pub quiz game. Oh, so did, did you cry at that as well? No, well, this was easier because you're just shooting at it with the gun. For someone who's such a big fan of sports, you seem to be heavy into darts. Like, well, like I just, like at that point when I was like eight years old, I wasn't really into sports at all. No way. But like, uh, I liked the concept of darts for darts, some reason. Eh? I see. But like, you know, I loved it. It's just like basically, like you know. Like I mean, it's the same sort of format as Bullseye. So you like shot the shot the darts in to get as good a score as you can, to give you an advantage. When like the pub quiz section came up, did you want a speedboat? Multiple choice. I don't remember. All I really remember <sighs> is the fact that like uh, is Jimbo in it. I had loads of fun. Uh, I don't remember, but Billy was definitely in it. Quality. That's all you need. Billy was all there, and you know, like sort of like total Spectrum MIDI version of the Bullseye theme tune. Quality. That sounds good. Um. What, but, a, yeah. what a Christmas you must have had. Like. Yeah, but, like, you know, I'd have been terrible at it because I was eight. You know, oh, and it's asking questions, you know, like, who won the Snooker World Championship in 1983? I'm like, I don't know, Snooker Man, just oh. shoot the screen, I might get it. <laughs> Did you play it with a light gun, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. You ah, played the dart bits with the light gun, and then, like, you know, the multiple cool. choice, like, you're shooting your answer. Merry Christmas, eh? Yeah, totally. And, like, they, but, like, after that, like, um, all my sort of major games, like, I bought all my consoles. That was the only computer I had bought for me. All uh, the women. Independent, <laughs> throw your hands up at me. But uh, there was one particular Christmas, you know, like I'd still like ask for games for Christmas, you know, sort of write a list for my mum. Uh, one Christmas, I didn't get the game I was expecting. I can't remember what game I actually got, but mum was telling me how she was so confused because I'd written The Revenge of Shinobi on mm-hmm. my list, but my handwriting's terrible and my mum doesn't know anything about video games. So she was telling me she was in game, like asking the clerk, uh, have you got this game... Revenge of Ship Ahoy <laughs> and getting nowhere so I don't imagine like I don't know if like the clerk that was helping him was just like completely stupid or whether he like was just sort of totally Christmased out and he was All just right. like no there's no game called that just oh leave me Ship Ahoy Revenge of Ship Ahoy Revenge of Ship Ahoy I think about that game all the time what Sounds game like that might have been cruise ship murder game like <laughs> So I'm still just thinking about nights. I'm definitely going to go home and still play nights. I'm going to play. No matter what we're going to be playing for next month's podcast, like it's going to be edged out because I'm playing nights. This is it. And because it's Christmas and, you know, like, like I said, it's Christmas Day, me and Nicole were just going to go and watch the Queen 
um, have some Christmas dinner, then we're going to play Parodius, and then we're going to play New Super Mario Brothers. You. I'm going to pretend. We're going to pretend it's an old one, though, so we can maintain a wee bit of retro credibility. Yeah, we're going to do something with the aspect ratio so it looks wrong. I'll do something with your aspect ratio, mate. And that is the true spirit of Christmas. That is. And we all hope, we all, two of us, hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas. Absolutely. I hope you get all the games you want. I hope you even get the games you didn't want. Like, Yeah, just games like falling out your face. That's what we want to hear. Wake up in your stockings like pissing out copies of Far Cry 3 at you. Like. <laughs> Not that I'm saying you didn't want that. Some of you might, but I didn't. But let's, uh, let's wrap this nonsense up. For Santa's, 2012? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the end of 2012. And who knows what games released this year will be considered retro in the future. Exactly. Thank you for coming along on the journey with us so far. And we will be back after the new... We will be back in the future. Yeah. With and more retro games. I thought you were going to do the tagline. No. You know, no the you're tagline, not going to do the tagline. Like, okay, so we'll do you want be, me to do it? No, I think it would be wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, go, go we'll be it. back in the future with more games that we used to love games that we still love games that we hope you'll love too here's some shite wains singing a crap song Merry Christmas